You're listening to sermons from South Point Fellowship, where we are equipping the family of God for the mission of God to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. For more information, please visit southpointfellowship.org. We're in week three in our gifted series, and the title of the message today is The Giver of Gifts, and we're in Ephesians chapter 4. And before we read the text, I'd like for you to consider um, this picture uh, of Victoria Falls. Perhaps you've never been to Victoria Falls, but it's uh, believed to be the largest waterfall in the world. It can be seen from 30 miles out. It is over a mile wide, and it's from top to bottom greater than the length of a football field. As you look at that picture, I, I want you to use it to prompt your heart and your mind this morning to think about God. God created that waterfall, but what I want you to think about this morning is I want you to think about who God is and how powerful he is, but I want you to just, if you will, if you feel comfortable, um, just close your eyes and imagine standing beneath a waterfall. And as you stand beneath that waterfall, I want you to think about this, this great love and this great grace and this great power and this great presence of God himself being poured out for you and for me, but not only for you and me as something out there, but him pouring out his spirit to come and live and dwell within us. Think about the fellowship of the Trinity. Think about our invita invitation into that fellowship. I want you to use that, this outpouring of the grace of God, this outpouring of the love of God, this outpouring of the opportunity for us to fellowship with him, this outpouring of his presence, literally this outpouring of his power into your life and into my life. I want you to think about that as we consider the text this morning from Ephesians 4. Let me read Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to, you, to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. By, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, and I'll add to that the saints, right, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him 
who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I want you to think about, as we talk through this text for a few minutes this morning, God pouring himself into and through his people. God pouring himself into and through his people. He is the source of gifts. But we're going to look at it in, in three layers or three facets this morning. I want you to consider in the first ten verses the fountain of spiritual gifts. And I'm just going to hasten through that section because our time is limited this morning. But here's what I want you to know. God himself is the fountain of spiritual gifts. Gifts And what the text tells us is that from this fountain flows something that is profoundly practical. If you look at the first three verses, watch. Therefore, uh, a, a prisoner uh, for the Lord, I urge you to walk. This is practical. Walk around the way you live, the way you live your life. I want you to live in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Can, can I get more specific, Paul says? with all humility and gentleness and patience. It's relational, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When God himself fills us with his Spirit himself, then there ought to be something that happens to us that is absolutely and profoundly practical among his people. How we live our life, how we live every day, how we live every moment of our lives. Secondly, we understand that if God is the fountain of spiritual gifts, that spiritual gifts are a product of the character and nature of God. He lays that out for us in verses 4 to 6. I don't think it could be stated any more clearly. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called into the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and, and in all. Thirdly, the fountain of spiritual gifts, when we recognize that God is that fountain, the product of God is his presence and his power. He makes that clear in verses 6 to 10 as well. He's saying, he's saying, if you will, look at verse way. Fourthly, the fountain of spiritual gifts is a product of pervasive grace, the pervasive grace of God. Look at verse 7. By, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. God has lavished us with His grace. God has lavished us with His presence. God has lavished us with His power from this fountain. And then fifthly, we see as we consider the fountain of spiritual gifts that the, 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 the fountain is a product of the perpetual victory of God. When we come to verse uh, number 80 says, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. What is that in reference to? It's in reference to Psalm 68. Psalm 68 is going through a whole litany of battles that our God has fought, and our God has never lost a single battle. Our God is always victorious in every battle, and he's not only speaking of God's perpetual victory, but he's speaking of God's ultimate victory through his Son on the cross 
cross through his resurrection. Jesus is resurrected from the grave. And when he's resurrected from the grave as a victor, he sets captives free. And then he says, I want to lavish my gifts on those who have been set free by my grace and by my power and by my great victory that I've won through my resurrection. And so we see this fountain flowing. And it is God who is the, is the fountain, and we see these gifts flowing from that fountain to all who are His. Every ounce of all that we are in Christ springs forth graciously out of His great victory. We were captives, we were slaves, we were prisoners to sin, but we have been set free. We have been brought into the family of God, and we have been lavished with gifts. And God says, take my gifts, take my wonderful, amazing, unbelievable, supernatural gifts and give them away. Jesus said, when the Spirit is in you, it will be like springs of living water flowing out of you, like Victoria Falls, and it will never run dry. Every believer from this fountain has God's presence and power. Every believer has from this fountain God's pervasive grace. Every believer from this fountain has God's perpetual victory. And it is all a part of the gifts that he has given us. Our lives, listen carefully, our lives are designed to be lived in and out of an indomitable power that, that flows from the indwelling presence of of God. That's why he has given us these first 10 verses in Ephesians, so that we will understand that. Our lives as believers are designed to be lived in and out of an indomitable power that flows from the indwelling presence of God because our great God is a great victor and he is the fountain. The gifts of God, the spiritual gifts that are ours flow from him. He is the fountain. I would ask you this morning, are you aware of this? Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, I, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, about this whole issue of spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant of it. And he's going to say some profound things in a moment when we get further along in the text that I think are demanded of us if we are going to experience his presence and his power and his grace and the productivity that comes from those who are followers of Jesus Christ. The second thing we see in the text in verses 11 and 12 is not only the, the, found, the, the, the fountain of, of spiritual gifts, but we see the flow of spiritual gifts. And you can see it in verses 11 and 12. Look at it with me, if you will. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So, so what do we see as spiritual gifts flow? Here's the fountain, but where is the fountain flowing to? And he gives us just a, a snapshot, this encapsulation of something that God is doing in gifting people. This isn't everything, but this is just a small portion of what God is doing. There, there are three steps in these two verses that I want you to see, and I'm not going to dig everything that's in these verses out of these verses. But, but the first thing we need to see is this, that the flow of spiritual gifts is from people. There are these foundational gifted servants, the apostles and the prophets. There are these functional gifted servants, the, the evangelists and pastor teachers. And then, then there are these fundamental gifted servants, which are the saints. We can't leave them out. 
At every level and in every way, God's means of gift transmission is through his people. I want to take just a second. I'm not going to try to break it all down, but I want you to think about something. If you're in a church and the church doesn't have a pastor, the church panics, right? Because the church says the pastor plays a critical role in the life of this church organizationally, administratively, functionally, just from a cultural perspective. We have got to find a pastor. Somebody has got to fill that role as a pastor. What about when the saints are missing? Would you think about that for a minute? Because can I just tell you this morning that as I look at this text, that the role of the saints is equally as critical as the role of the pastor? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about, man, we don't have a pastor, we need a pastor? Many of us have been in churches that didn't have pastors, they're looking for a pastor. Have you ever thought about how critical the role of the saints are and when saints aren't using their gifts in the body, how that negatively impacts the, the flow of God in the life of that body? Your gifts are as critical, the function of your gifts are as critical as any gift that God has given to his church. And the church of Christ cannot function properly without all of the gifts operating. So there are these, these gifted servants, but secondly, we also see not only the people, but we see the process. What is the process? Notice what he says. I've given you these people, and, I, and, and I've, I've ordained this process to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Uh, I want to break these words down for you this morning. The first word is for. The word for means looking toward a thing. There is a certain goal. There is a certain goal when these people are functioning the way they are supposed to function that is to be accomplished through God's people. For the equipping, what does the word equip mean? The word equip means to perfect. Here's what I, I like to, how I like to define, and it's not just mine. It comes from the Greek word equip, but it means adjustment. It means adjustment. What it means is this, that we as the people of God should constantly be in the process of adjusting to one another to ensure that we fit together well so that the flow of God can come through his people and through his body. Now, I would say the word adjustment, here's how I would translate it. I would tell you how I have to flesh it out and experience. I think the word adjustment, I think the word equipping is rooting in the concept of repentance. I've been married almost 41 years. And there's been a lot of adjustment and a lot of repentance in 41 years. I love my wife. I adore my wife. I would rather be with my wife than anybody on the face of the planet. Um... But we were driving from North Carolina last night, and it was raining. And as the rain hit the pavement, it was foggy. And inside my car, we were breathing, and the windshield was fogging up. And folks, don't drive fast in the rain, okay? Just don't do it. Uh, just consider the science of it. Don't tailgate in the rain. First of all, somebody driving a little four-cylinder car like mine can't go any faster. 
Tailgating me is not going to make me speed up, number one. Number two, it's going to make me angry. And I may slam on my brakes, and you're going to be in trouble, and it's going to be your fault when you run into the back of me. But we're driving along. We're, we're people in front of us, everybody, taillights everywhere, all the lights along the side. Anybody, your vision changes, you've gotten older. I'm trying to take everything in, so we're riding along, and I said, are we in an exit lane? And she raised her, she was tired of my, uh, all the shenanigans I was going through while I was just having a meltdown trying to drive through Charlotte, North Carolina at 10 o'clock at night. And can I be honest with you? She hurt my feelings. It don't take much to hurt my feelings. She hurt my feelings. And I thought, well, I'll just pull over and put her out. You know, you all come from Charlotte. I had all kind of thoughts. I had all kind of bad thoughts. But my thoughts very rapidly went to, I need to make some adjustments. And for the next three hours as we drove home, I found myself just really, and this is not, I haven't done this for 41 years, but I found myself repenting. I found myself repenting of my heart attitude. I found myself repenting of reacting to my wife who said things that were essentially in reaction to just all of the hoopla that I could have just slowed down to 75 and drove like everybody else, but, you know, drive like a normal person. It's a matter of adjustment, but a, adjustment generally involves repentance. The body of Christ should be in a perpetual process of repentance when I'm trying to impose my will or be me or have my way when what's at stake in my attitude, in my heart, in my words, in my action, in my selfishness, what is at stake is the full function and flow of the power of God through his people when I am not concerned about connecting to other people and the body of Christ and making adjustments to ensure that those joint are operating the way they're supposed to. Equip the saints. Who are the saints? Those who prayed the prayer, those who got baptized, those who joined the church. The saints are the holy ones. The saints are the ones that have been set apart by God to be filled with his spirit, to be a part of his body, to, to let his power and presence live in and flow through. That's who the saints are. If you're a believer, that's who you are. And he's doing all of this so that work can be done for the work of the ministry. The word, word work means employment, task, deed, action that carries out an inner desire. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I'm having an influence on Piper back there. I can see her moving. I'm glad somebody. Waiting tables. Humbly, submissively, joyfully performing menial task. Let me try to make some application from that. First of all, we should always be in the process of spiritual adjustment. We should always be in the process of repentance, particularly in human relationships. There are no human relationships that are perfect. There are no close human relationships that are not constantly in the process of repenting. No one has arrived Secondly, the adjustment is always in the context of other people in the body of Christ. Thirdly, we're always adjusting so that we fit together and work together beautifully. Fourthly, no gifts 
function in isolation. Fifthly, true saints find deep joy in the most menial tasks if the end result is the maturity of believers. True saints find great joy in menial tasks if the end result is the maturity of believers. So it's from people, these gifted servants, it's through a process equipping the saints for the work of service, and it's toward a specific purpose that he might fill all things, but also for the building up of the body of Christ, to make something suitable, essentially to, to, to make us into a habitation, a dwelling place, a building for God. So we see the flow of spiritual gifts. We see the fountain of spiritual gifts. And finally, I want you to consider with me, beginning in verse 13, the, the fragrance of spiritual gifts. If you will look at, if you will look at um, verse number, number 14, excuse me, verse number 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I call it fragrance because in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it, it speaks of the, the, the we, us being a, a fragrance. Let me, let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 2, um, verses 14 to 16 this morning. Listen to, listen to what Paul said. He says um, in verse 14, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Did you hear that? Not, not just here. Not at 170 Racetrack Road. Not at 170 Cleveland Street. Not, not at your address. But, but that we as believers in Christ spread the fragrance everywhere. Where people are hostile. Where people are lost. Where people are belligerent. Where people are receptive. We spread the fragrance everywhere. Verse 15, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? A fragrance is something that is so powerful experientially that, that reason cannot do it justice. That explanation cannot do it justice. There is something that is so beautiful and so powerful and so moving. It has impacted us. And Christ says we are that fragrance. The, the first thing we see in the text is the basics of this fragrance. And he lays it out. The, the first basic is this. It's objective unity. It is object, objective unity around a body of truth. 
this objective unity around our understanding of Scripture. What does the Bible say? What are the cardinal doctrines? What is doctrinal truth? So there is objective unity around the body of truth, the Word of God. Secondly, there is subjective there is subjective knowledge. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. I call it subjective because uh, the, the word there for knowledge means contact knowledge. It means that you know something because you have had contact with the thing that you know something about. So the saints are being equipped. The Spirit is flowing out of these leaders. The Spirit is flowing to a sound knowledge of the Word of God, but they're also coming to a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ, who He is, contact knowledge. But He's also telling us that there is this mature personhood, right? To the mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he lays it out for us. What is he talking about? I don't believe he's talking about emulating Christ. I don't believe here he's even talking about following Christ. I don't believe he's talking about us using Christ as our example. I don't believe he's talking about us engaging in spiritual disciplines. I don't believe that he's talking to us about behavioral modification. You don't need to grow a beard like Jesus. You don't need to wear a robe like Jesus. You don't need the same moves that Jesus had, whatever they were. You don't need to walk everywhere you go. You don't need to find 12 people to follow you. You want to be like Jesus? That's what you need to do. He's not saying that. He's saying that something profound happens in the interior world of the believer where I am becoming more and more empty of myself and I'm becoming more and more full of Christ. And, and so when someone encounters me, what they're encountering is not me, but Jesus. And that is the fragrance. The fragrance isn't me. When God gives gifts and gifts are exercised, those who are in Christ are afforded the opportunity to, prog to, to progress toward mature personhood. In other words, the, the way maturity is enacted in the lives of the body of Christ, individuals, is this. When we encounter other people that are filled with Christ and the presence of Christ through their gift, we're going to see that in just a minute. So it's not living like Christ, but it's living out of Christ in you. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. It's not loving like Christ. It's the love of Christ that is shed abroad in our heart that is flowing through us to others. It's Jesus' love. It's, it's forgiving like Christ forgave because Christ is in us. Have you ever been hurt and didn't feel like you, you could forgive? You can't, but Christ can. It's having the mind of Christ. Why do I have the mind of Christ? Because he is in me. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How can you make a statement like that, Paul? Because Christ is in us. Let Christ flow through us. How can we forgive as he forgave? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We ought to be the most forgiving and the most repentant people on the face of the planet. So there are the basics, but he moves us from the basics to the barriers to this fragrance. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about with every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Let me just give you a few things that I think fit the context here. 
I think he's saying anything that, that prevents the fullness of Christ and the flow of Christ from you into the lives of others. Anything that prevents that is out of bounds. What prevents that kind of thing? Let me, let me suggest a few things to you. Arrogance prevents that. Arrogance prevents that. Isolation prevents that. What's the first thing you do when you get mad? You're like, I don't need anybody. I'll isolate myself, right? Isolation prevents that. Hyper-individualism prevents that. Legalism prevents that. We had the opportunity to go by Olive Garden, buy my mother-in-law some lasagna, and we took it to her house in Robbins, North Carolina, and when we got through eating, she made sure that she told my wife that we purchased that lasagna at a place that served alcohol. And I'm just like, okay, thank you. You know, we can get, we can get caught up on some things sometimes, folks. We can get caught, and, and who, who cares if Christ is flowing through us? Who cares if the Spirit is working in us? We become exclus- exclusivistic. We become tribalistic. Are you a part of my tribe? Have you read the books that I've read? Have you taken the classes that I've taken? Do, do you, have you read all of the systematic theolo- theology books and the, and the biblical theology books? Have you, have you read these things? with no concern for the the Spirit of God to flow through us. Many say, I'll do my own thing. I don't need anybody. Yes, you do. You cannot, your gifts do not work in isolation. Anything that circumvents or competes with you using your gifts in His body for, for His glory to bring maturity to other believers is what He's talking about. That's in the context of the body functioning like it should. Here are these gifted men. Here are these men equipping these saints for the work of service. And then he goes over to verse number 15 and he says, this is this beautiful fragrance that's played out and I want you to go there. I want you to move from the barriers to the fragrance to the beauty of this fragrance. Verses 15 and 16, he says, speaking the truth in love speaking in a way that the truth that flows out of you is communicated in the love of Christ. There is nothing that will set you on edge like someone's words or tone. Speak the truth. Speak it boldly. Speak it in love. This is such a beautiful picture that that we really have a difficult time explaining it. He gives a summary statement. We are, we are, we plural are to grow together in every way, in every area of our lives into him. He says it's from Christ. It's life flowing from Christ. This is the fountain. This is the flowing. But I want you to look at the beautiful fragrance. Notice the words that he used. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Christ. Watch this. From whom the whole body, every part of the body. Every part of the body is joined. Every part of the body is held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's attachment. It's people that are functionally, that are practically, practically, that are lovingly, that are spiritually attached to each other. It is life-giving Attachment. It is life impacting attachment. It is nourishing attachment that results in the practical building up of a group of people called the body of Christ in love. 
Kurt Thompson said this, and I would encourage you to write it down. He said, transformation only occurs through collaborative interaction. Transformation only occurs through collaborative interaction. That's exactly what Paul is talking about. Transformation only occurs when we are help, in a healthy way connected to other people in the body of Christ using our gifts because that is the means that God has ordained that his life would flow out of us into others and would flow out of others into us that is going to result in us being not only more like Christ but more filled with Christ. I want to read this text from Colossians 1 and I'll be done. Verse 24, Paul said of Colossians 1, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. In my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship of God, for God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. What are, you, what are you doing to make the Word of God fully known? Look at verse 26. He says, the mystery hidden. This mystery. What is that? What are the riches of the glory of the mystery that is revealed from the Word of God? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is the, the, the fountain. There is the flow. There is the fragrance. It is Christ in you. Verse 28, he said, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present, watch, everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy. Right? Whose energy? His energy. This I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. God dwells in you. He has given us gifts, and those gifts flow out of us and into us as we relate to one another to fill us up with Christ. What a beautiful fragrance. Are you connected to the body of Christ? Have you believed the gospel? If you have believed the gospel, if you're a child of God, you should be connected to the body of Christ. But if you say that you're connected to the body of Christ and you are not using your gifts, can I tell you something? Life stinks. It's not a fragrance. Life stinks. It just stinks. And so I would challenge you this morning to plug into the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is the source of our gifts. And if you don't know him, I, I challenge you, I urge you this morning to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved today and then figure out how to be connected to his body. 